comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. I'm sorry I ruined your New Year's Eve party, Lieutenant Diane. She tastes like cigarettes. Episode 302. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. And on tonight's episode, we pick duties. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to a half hour wasted episode. No, 302. I don't. It's a little late. To yeah, ask it's a me little that. late to be asking, like right at the last second. It, Sage is going, and now here's your host, Frank and Bill and Brad, and Frank's going. And, do you have a siren sound effect? Here, I can I can bail us out of the ditch, Frank. Here we go. Okay. Here, three, two, one. And that's why they changed the name to the Duties. It's after the, the I thought he was going to do a siren. Oh, sound yeah, effect. I thought you were going to do a oh. siren sound effect. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. You can do it. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Brad, that's the that's the siren to <laughs> for a voicemail. We got a voicemail. Let's oh, hear that wow. siren again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't strain yourself, man. <laughs> Bill. You need to go to you need to go to filters. That's all I'm saying. Oh God! Can someone run me to uh, uh, one of those uh, doctors that you can just like go to on the spur of the moment after the show? Like uh, you know, there's one at the Edwards oh, down God. the street. There's a doctor. L O L I M H O colon parenthesis. There's a doctor I see rolls through a neighborhood in a, uh, a pickup. With oh, a that's a butcher. Shell. That's a butcher. That's not. Just a, take me to him. Just see if just see if he's out there, Frank. I Welcome. Can really use one right now. Welcome to episode three hundred one, our oh, New Year's Eve extravaganza. Three hundred two. That's right, our New Year's Eve extravaganza. I think my throat fell out. <coughs> I hope everybody drives safely tonight and has a designated driver. I uh, hope your Christmas was merry. Oh yes. We had Merry Christmases, didn't we? We all got to share gifts and chocolate and um, each other's company. And your wife's beautiful casserole, that delicious casserole she made. Oh, it's enough. The bit's over. <laughs> it's over. Okay. Um, you know what? I didn't. I didn't say this on the Christmas show, but Ow. I didn't say this on the Christmas show. But one of my one of the things I look forward to the most at Christmas time is our Christmas episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brad. Bill. <laughs> Bill's still working to bet. He is. What are you doing? I think he literally hurt himself. He's he's rubbing his eyes. <laughs> like he... What's wrong? Are you crying? I think I burst a blood vessel. Do I look like Do I look like Scarty Weaver in Alien Three? <laughs> with the butt, with the red eye. 
Actually, we're going to need that siren again, so I hate to put you through this. Mail call! <sighs> we got voicemail. From, that's actually a three-part voicemail from our brother down under. The thing that's really sad is this is my last chance to do good broadcasting in 2012. <laughs> What's wrong with your eyes? Seriously, what happened? I think I went Scarty Weaver from Alien 3. You've already said that once, and it wasn't funny the first time. <laughs> I wasn't joking the first time. Bill's, you, Bill's theory is keep chugging through it. That's the Monty Python. Here comes him. here comes the comedy train. Let's <laughs> let's listen to Callum Reedy for a second. We love you, Bill. Hey guys, I'm just listening to the new half hour weekly as I drive to work, and there are tears streaming down my face. I'm about five minutes into the episode. I've just heard the shout out to Collingwood and North Melbourne. Thanks, uh, William. McGonnell um, and uh, uh, guys love it brilliant thank you very very much you have made my day and I've still got 25 minutes of the episode to go thank you I think that's an old one <laughs> no he's talking about he told us in the email that he was talking about episode 299 but uh-huh. did you hear the mistake he made yeah he did just listen to that the again. half hour weekly yeah hey guys I'm just listening to the new half hour weekly as I drive to work and there are tears streaming down my face the new half hour weekly. He's talking about episode two ninety nine. What did we do in episode awesome. two ninety nine? Let's look it awesome. I don't recall. Let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a podcast of our podcast. That's one guaranteed way to have some good content. Here's part two of his voicemail, by the way. On the ticket. That's a joke for one. Come on. I don't understand. Six ninety nine was when we talked about Spider Man. Six ninety nine. I'm sorry, two ninety nine. <laughs> wow, wow. It's well, we talked about Spider Man six ninety eight, and then it's like uh, a staff with Zoe on her dad. Yeah. What, what was in the first? It's what was like, in the first five minutes. It's like a staff infection. Play yeah, a, hey guys, me again. Just to follow up to uh, my last message, I'm now at work, sitting in my car, laughing so hard that I don't want to go walk into the office <laughs> quite yet because I have more tears streaming down my face and a bright red. Face, uh, and yeah, all I can say is, uh, let's get racist. I <laughs> 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 uh, love it, guys. Thank you. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> what? He's talking about something we did on Half Hour Weekly. Yeah. We're talking about episode 246. You see that first one? Oh, I my gosh. Where we have heard before that first voicemail. Well, what did he send us? <laughs> okay. Now, let me... All right, here, Bill, give me your patch. Do you have... Um, there he goes. Uh, let me play you what he sent me. All right. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see which one's first. This, one. this, is, uh, this is what they call producing on the air. Yeah. Let's see what happens here, Brent. Okay. Oh, I have to unmute it. The new half hour weekly as I drive to work, and there are tears streaming down my face. Same one. I'm about. Let me go this one. What is. What's playing there? You got 299 playing? I owe you an apology from last episode. There we go. Okay. Oh, that was 299 playing underneath. Now let me play uh, this one. 
Hey guys, me again. Just to follow up to uh, my last message, I'm now at work sitting in my car laughing so hard that I don't want to go walking. Okay, yacht. so we just heard that one. So now I'm going to play the follow-up that he sent us. The third one? Yeah, the third one. So here's the third one. Downloading it and playing it. Oh, one last thing, guys. Uh, I would say Merry Christmas, but look, it's actually closer to February down here, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I think I got the joke. Maybe. <laughs> you what? Do you think he sent us those two on purpose? It's also like ninety-seven know. degrees. I think mm, it's surf weather <laughs> down where he's at. I'm wondering if he sent us the wrong files. Okay, I'm going to now that last one. Let's play it again just for him. This is the last one he sent us. Is there a timestamp? Now on? hack that message and find the uh, the timestamp. If you recall last uh, one of Can the last of shows, hack? one of the last shows we were discussing like when he could call us in because he was 17 hours ahead. Right. Remember that? Right. So I think this is in response. So here it is again. Oh, one last thing, guys. Uh, I would say Merry Christmas, but look, it's actually closer to February down here. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm fairly certain that he sent us. I want him on the show regularly. I'm fairly certain that he sent us two items that he sent us before. Are you going to tell him on I'm, Facebook? I'm going right to Facebook him right now. Yeah, let him know that he uh, sent us. Oh, it's Joe Jan's birthday today. Happy birthday, Joe Jan's! As of our recording, yes, it's a week late. Uh, actually, it's two weeks late when you hear this. Joe, keep Iowa weird, sweetie. Two weeks late. I think... An old girlfriend's birthday. What? <clears throat> I think... Um, I didn't hear that. I don't know. If it's important, she'll come back. Yeah, she almost always does. She's good that so way. So you're going to let Callum know? Yeah. Okay. So in the meantime... Yes. I don't understand. Let's talk about The Hobbit. Oh, Let's yeah. get your snob it on with The Hobbit. The Hobbit? Frank saw it the day it was released. Yes, I went Friday at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, awesome. You saw high frame rate 3D? High frame rate 3D. Bill and I the, saw... Uh, was it the XD theater there at the Cinemark? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I saw it in Arlington. Arlington, But Frank. Yeah, but it was high def, high res, XP, okay. crazy seats, cool. all that stuff. Bill and I saw it the next evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, XD, which we learned means extreme digital. Yes. Um, which doesn't make sense, but there it is. Uh, with Adobe Atmos sound. Yeah. And high frame rate 3D. Dude, there's speakers in the ceilings. There's speakers inside the speakers. Yeah, I believe that. Um, my like reflect off each other. I At first, I was not going to see the high frame rate because I didn't want to be distracted. Because we're all video guys, right? Yeah. We see things... That most of you listeners don't even think twice about. I am about. trained to see things that happen in a 30th of a second. If you think I'm joking, test me. Right. So you know, I the wanted... Stuff, the stuff in Fight Club? I saw it. I wanted to enjoy the movie. And so I told myself, see the regular version first yeah. before you see the high frame rate. And okay. then I thought, you know what? I'm going to be- stop being a fuddy-duddy. I'm going to stop hanging on to preconceived notions. And I'm just going to jump right in with the high frame rate. I'm not looking for applause, but I thank you for the golf clap. I, I, I applaud you anyway. You know, there are some people, myself included, who find it hard to let go of things we're used to. Mm-hmm. Like film needs to look like film and video needs to look like video and a movie at the yeah. theater shouldn't look like video. Yeah, well, 
Now, I do have a hard time watching 120 hertz um, television. Television. Yeah. That's a little different. It, it looks weird. It's a different animal. Yeah. But this, it took me about 20 minutes to stop thinking to myself, this looks different. It looks good, but this is not normal. And then after I stopped thinking about that, I just enjoyed it. You know, a, a lot of people were describing this movie as distracting. And the way I, d- I described it to you guys was it's distracting like a beautiful woman is distracting. It was so interesting for me to watch. I loved 48 frames per second. I am on board with this. Uh, I went to see more action movies done in this format. Uh, what I uh, What struck me was that all the reviews we read, it makes me wonder if they saw these movies on bad projectors or something. Because I kept we kept reading over and over again about how, oh, when the people are running, it looks like they're going double speed and the graphics look weird and you know, it just it just it, the things look too clean and, and we kept hearing all this negative feedback about the look of the movie. And so going in, I wouldn't say I was scared, petrified, whatever, but I was concerned that it was going to be off-putting. And it was the most stunning visual theatrical experience I've ever had by a mile. Yes. It was amazing. If any of you all are in an area where you can see it at the high frame rate with the 3d on a super big, big old screen. Um, yo it to yourselves. I don't know what an IMAX looks like. My guess is it's pretty cool. Um, my experience is that, uh, the XD, uh, screen might be superior to an IMAX just because of the transmission method. Um, just because you're not dealing with, you know, huge 70 millimeter, you know, reels, you're basically dealing with a digital file still, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's, that's not film that that we're watching. It's It's a digital file. And and to be honest, I mean, film, while film is still around, um, it it is slowly going away for this beam down method that theaters are using. And you know what? If it keeps theaters open, I'm all for it. It it also produces a a pristine transfer. When I worked at that movie theater Mm -hmm. that you and I went to see it, I remember seeing the van come and deliver on Thursday nights, deliver the prints. Oh, wow. Yeah. They would get out this two-wheel dolly. They'd back up the truck, huh? Yeah. They'd get out a two-wheel dolly, and they'd load these big cans on there, and that that would be like the, the midnight showing or the tomorrow showing cool. of, of whatever movie was opening the next day. <clears throat> that eventually slowed down and, I believe, stopped. I think it's all digital at that theater now. Okay. But um, I wanted to say one thing about the visualness of this movie. You know, the argument that I even gave before I, when I started considering, you know, looking at this format was, I don't want it to look like video. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this doesn't look like video. It does not look like high definition video. It's different. It's, it has to do with the frame rate. High definition video is still 30 frames per second. Exactly right. It's a larger resolution. Yeah. But there are twice as many frames in this version of the movie than there are in the regular version of yeah. the movie. Well, 24 versus 40, 48. So 
it doesn't look like video. It looks like I, I it's happening it, in front of you. I described it as hyper real. Yeah. It's a hyper reality that you're seeing. It, that is unlike while movie is very it's got a graininess to it and it can still be very beautiful, but uh this is just like it's so clear, like things should not be that clear. It at times, um depending on the what you're actually being shown on screen, um, I guess most of the time, um put your brain kind of on hold and it looked like you were looking through a window. Yeah. It did. Um, it was the the screen was so pure and the picture was so clear and pure and for me, I mean I hate to talk about the technical aspects of this movie for 10 minutes before you even touch on, you know, the movie I don't itself. Hate, I don't hate it at all because it's it's just as important as the as the um story itself. Here's the thing that that hit me in the forehead. Uh, and that was my elbow. Go. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, I was reaching okay. up, trying to scratch my neck. I know. Well, clocked him okay. right in the face. You bought me fresh popcorns. It's okay. Um, the 3D was absolutely the most immersive, the most realistic, the most flawless 3D I've ever seen in a movie experience, not including animated uh, animated features. I would agree. I would say it's on par with some of the best animated 3D I've ever seen. I, I've never seen... Um, I mean, I haven't seen every live-action 3D picture out. I, I haven't seen uh, the Judge Dredd in 3D. I haven't seen Friday the 13th 3D. Uh, I didn't see Piranha 3D, you know, that kind of stuff. But I've seen Avatar. I've seen um, I've seen Thor. I've seen my fair share of 3D live-action movies. And uh, clearly the 3D that's shot with a 3D camera is vastly superior to you know stuff that's posted, um, but this was just you were you were immersed in this world. I could not believe how rich the 3D experience was and how it almost looked natural. I mean, 3D still suffers from it. Almost looks like a two dimensional image in the foreground laid over a two dimensional image that's five feet behind it laid over two-dimensional image that's 15 feet behind it, you still get a little bit of that. Right. The layers still seem flat at times, not all the time. I think it's more a trick of the eye than, than what the camera is recording because the camera is recording in stereo, just like your eyes do. Um, but in this, um, it was amazing how deep the, the, the visual field was. And Peter Jackson clearly knew what he, was, what he, what he had on his hands, and he was clearly exploiting this visual impact for his people. Um, I was talking to a um, to an engineer, a video engineer friend of mine, and he pointed me towards this article, which I haven't had a chance to read yet. But uh, present day product, uh, present day digital projectors run at 144 frames per second. So for a hmm. standard 24 frame, so what it does is it shows the same frame, like for 24 frames per second, right. it shows the same frame Multiple six times. times. Yeah. And then it goes on to the next one. So you get that 24. And they experimented with different frame rates. They, they went all the way up to 72. There, there was a 72 um, frame test that they did with it, a 66, a 60. And uh, originally, this movie was supposed to be released at 60 frames per second. Really? But they thought really? that, but the look 
they thought was a little too off-putting, so they jumped down to 48. Well, it makes sense that you would do this in multiples of 48, I think. Um, because we're, we are so used to seeing the motion, you know, the 24-frame motion. And I think that the human eye will probably have less problems interpreting twice as many versus two and a half times as many. Um, and I think that if you went to like a 60-frame rate you would quite possibly achieve more of that video look. And I realize we're dealing with 60, not 30, 48, not 24, but I still think that there's some... I still think your mind is going gonna, gonna to play those tricks on you. Um, I think the 3D works so well because of the frame rate. Uh, you know, Brad and I were talking about the parking lot afterwards, trying to figure out exactly what it was uh, about, about that movie experience that made, it, that made the 3D so rich. Because, again, I saw... Uh, Thor in 3D on that exact same screen. I, th- I believe Thor was posted uh, 3D. It wasn't shot 3D, and so that probably had a lot to do with it. Well, it, But I've seen a 3D movie in that exact theater and walked out thinking, eh, this I walked out. Just It's like, let me find my jaw. It's around here somewhere. If, if um, In photography, when you're working with a very high-speed film, which means it's very sensitive to light, you shoot at a much higher frame rate, which allows you to get Crazy detail. This is what they use a lot in sports, or back when they used to shoot uh, photography with sports. You know, guys running and stuff like that. And you would get these shots of someone in action, and there's no blur at all. Right. Okay, they're using a very extremely high shutter speed, like anywhere from, you know, one to one thousandth, one to the two thousandth of a second. You know, even faster than that. Uh, That's essentially what's happening here, because you're getting a lot more detail. You're getting twice as much detail as another movie. That's why the 48 frame, the 3D looks so much better. Now, when you're shooting with a high frame rate like that, oftentimes you have to compensate for the fact that the shutter opens and closes so much faster with more light on the subject. And that's something I didn't think about uh, while we were watching the movie itself, but I don't remember seeing a whole lot of modeling on the faces. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of moody light. It seemed like a lot of people were lit fairly well, obviously not in the caverns and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking through this for the first time since, you know, since we saw the movie. So maybe that's just not valid at all. But, uh, I mean, the first time it struck me, um, was the first scene of the movie, um, watching, uh, uh, Bilbo sitting there, old Ian Holm, old Bilbo sitting there in his chair writing. And I'm, I'm thinking, Holy cow, look how 3d that is. And his face was so clear. Uh, I mean, it. that's one thing. Film has never looked like HD video before. And we don't necessarily ever want it to either. Uh, dude, it, it's still the wrong number, sir. Um, and I love that. I love that. Um, is Rodney there? No, no, sir. I'm afraid you got the wrong number. Okay. Is Janice there? No, no, sir. I think you got the wrong number. All right. All right, bye. Hang up. Go back to what you're doing. Two minutes later. It's the same number. Are you just making sure? I should have I should have answered and said, Hey, this is Rodney. What you want? Yeah. <laughs> I just said, Hello. We're, we're assuming is- we're assuming Rodney's black. I guess. <laughs> this, is, this is Janice. Well, the the gentleman on the phone, um, 
unless my ear is off, and I am an audio engineer, by the way, I believe uh, I believe he was a man of that that ethnic persuasion. Which is why I did that because you did a, a fairly uh, yes. good uh, replication. Of, I tried to keep voice. it subtle, but that was actually as good an imitation of the caller's <laughs> voice as I could do at that. Do moment. it again. Huh? Can I hear your subtle black guy voice again? <laughs> is Rodney there? Now, see, that's a little too white. No, no sir. Yeah. No, sir. All right. Is Janice there? <laughs> you see, it sounds kind of country to me. I now, don't... you need to go back and re- just rewind it and play the first time I did it, okay? I was... All those of you who just listened to this, hit the stop button, jump back about a minute and a half and, and play it, and then skip over this part when you get back to it. It's going to be tough timing it out just right, but that's okay. I was amazed at how out. good the graphics looked in the 48 uh, frame environment. I'm uh, not entirely convinced that Gollum was not an actual real life <laughs> being. The the eyes for the first time ever looked absolutely stinking real. It, it looked was, like you could have plucked them out. It was literally was the most amazing CG creation I've ever seen on on uh, in a movie since George I was going to say on film, but in a movie. Right. Uh, the the nice thing is that Peter Jackson did shoot this on film. Um, but, uh, wow. You know, that was, um, I really appreciate the fact that that movie, um, had a less dark tone than the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, that's by design. The Hobbit was literally written by J.R.R. Tolkien for his kids. It was the first thing he wrote. Um, he did not expect it to be a big hit. He did not write it for the masses. He wrote it for his kids. So The Hobbit is a kid's story. And it's really, I just, I think it's, it's really fascinating. And Tolkien, I, I wish I had this quote in front of me, but Tolkien uh, says uh, after The Hobbit is released and, and has become a hit, and it's taken time. I mean, this is, you know, this is not the age of instant internet gratification here. You know, things take time to percolate and become commonplace and, you know, widespread and all that. Um, so by the time he got uh, down to write uh, Lord of the Rings, he, and when I say he bemoaned the fact, I don't mean that he was whiny about it. I just mean that he realized that, uh, that he was losing his anonymity and that he was becoming famous for what he had done. And he realized that that put a lot of pressure on him artistically to equal or better what he had done before when he kind of wasn't even trying. So are you, so wait I'm I I lost you there Bill so what were you were you saying that he was the order of the books are you saying Hobbit came first yeah absolutely yeah he I wrote thought the Hobbit, Hobbit came I thought Hobbit came second no sir mm-hmm. no sir um we'll um uh, we'll check it out no the the Hobbit was written in uh, 1937 and uh, yeah published on 21st of September 1937. Um, now, I, one yeah, thing I, I, I was always under the impression that it was the other way around. I don't know where I got that, but that he had done Lord of the Rings and it had become so popular that they had someone had demanded to know, or he decided to give like the backstory, which was the Hobbit. Uh, well, the backstory, um, much like, um, and I apologize to uh, Brad when I did this to him uh, Saturday night, but uh, much like Frank Herbert, um, he spent an awful lot of time fleshing out the universe that these stories took place in. Um, he, um, 
the Lord of the Rings what was uh, absolutely a sequel, by the way. Um, but um, he has so much collateral material exploring the world that The Hobbit took place in. Uh, just go to any half price books. And, and right now, if you go to half price books, you will not find a copy of The Hobbit, big surprise, but you will likely find a copy of most everything else has ever done. Um, I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings uh, when I was in the eighth grade, uh, I believe, for the first time. And um, uh, then in college, I tried to read The Silmarillion. And I don't know if it was, you know, occasionally you'll read a book, you'll get 100 pages into it, you'll get halfway through it or whatever, and then you just put the thing down and for whatever reason you'd never pick it back up again. And that's kind of what I did with Silmarillion. And my understanding is that I'm far from alone on that. Um, well, well, let's uh, let's dive into the movie. Let's start talking about the plot of the movie and stuff like that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, me? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we talked about the book, but we, I mean, let's get to the plot of the movie. I mean, you know, it's it's fun. To, it's fun well, to hear the books you read, Bill. But let's uh, hobbits. Um, hobbits don't go on adventures. They don't. And apparently. one of the things I loved was the uh, the the first line of the book is great. And it took him a couple of minutes to get to that first line of the book. It was, uh, it was when Bilbo flashed back to his younger self. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they did that, there you got a slightly modified version of the first line of the book about how um, hobbits live in a hole. But not an, you know, not an awful you know, dark hole with ends of worms and, and, and dirt and stuff. Um, but a hole, blah, blah, blah. You know, to a hobbit, this hole means comfort, basically. And it's just, it's such a beautiful line. It's such a beautiful way to start this book out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I kind of went, oh, cool, when they did it in the movies. I just, I I got the the feeling that, yeah, this is going to take the right tone. Bill leaned over to me and goes... That's the first line in the book. Now, <laughs> now I, I, I would like to stress here, this, this is where I have a, an issue with the movie a little bit. A screenplay and a book are two different things. You have to assume that the people watching the movie don't know anything about the book. So you need some backstory. Now, a skilled screenwriter can make the readers of the book happy and the viewers of the movie happy and enjoy it on two different levels. Okay, I felt that there were times in this movie that not being familiar with the book, I didn't quite get motivations and stuff like that. I had the very same reaction. I didn't think that it was communicated well to the viewer. I don't care if it's in the book. That's fine if it's in the book. That's great. I had to ask Bill a few questions. Yeah. That's that's why I gave it three and a half stars. And I haven't read the I haven't read the book. Uh I read the first five pages to my kids because mm-hmm. I bought it that night before Brad and I went to the movie. So I read the first five pages to my kids. Excuse me. It was the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, before they fell asleep. It was late. They were blissful and they were under some warm blankets and they were already tired. And so they crashed out because I can manage to read in a very calming and soothing tone <laughs> that is actually designed by 10 years of reading experience well, if you to notice children Five sleep. minutes ago, I was already dozing off when you were in the middle of your soliloquy. I, I, I will do that to you. Um, so I put them out, but uh, just having read the first five minutes of it, and uh, we uh, uh, talked a little bit about it um, uh, a couple days before we went and saw it. Uh, so I had just a tiny little bit of, uh, of foreknowledge in my head. And, and last time I read the book, 
again, I think I may have been in the eighth grade last time I read the book all the way through. So I'm not coming as someone who has all this knowledge in my head, um, who, who knows exactly what everything is doing. Um, uh, maybe just that tiny little bit of preparation I had compared to you two guys made the difference because I never once thought to myself, uh-uh, stop going over my head, Br- bring it down a little bit. Well, well, it, for me, it wasn't going over my head. It's just like, okay. well, why, why is he doing that? Yeah. I mean, what, what's motivating him I to was do like, these things? You know, he, he, if I was Bilbo, I would have been like, I don't know who the hell you people are, but get out of my house now. Well, I mean, I wouldn't just sit there and take it, all these people coming in. Well, hobbits are very... Taking my food. Yeah, I get it. Hobbits, hobbits are, are very, blah, blah, blah. They're but very still. polite people. And then he's like, Gandalf, this person that he doesn't even remember. Gandalf remembers him, but yeah. he doesn't remember Gandalf. You know, but, but again, I, I, and then I, 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 like I, a stranger comes to my house and says, by the way, you're, you've been chosen by me to go with me and these 13 ugly guys we're going to have an adventure and I'd be like I don't think so. Well, but again, you're you're talking about you're talking about a, a a character Gandalf that that everybody in the village knew. He remembered Gandalf from when he was a kid. He didn't remember what he looked like, but like we were talking about Saturday night, his Gandalf's reputation absolutely precedes him. It would be like if Elvis came up to your front door right now. You know, you might not recognize him because it's been 20 years, but it's like Hey, man, I'm Elvis. And you now, go, holy crud, it's now, Elvis! Now, wait a second. Now, I would argue with that, okay, that's Elvis, but to the viewer, who is Elvis? You need to explain that, okay? It is briefly explained just a little bit, but not... And sure, you can go back to Lord of the Rings and kind of go, well, he's the guy from Lord of the Rings. So I was about to say, can, yes, I see the connection. Can we make some small assumptions that most of the people who've been... Hip deep in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy for the last decade, might be on board with it. That's yeah, uh, I would say yes, you could you could make that assumption. But yeah, in 1937, yeah. you know when the first person picked up the Hobbit at the Walden Books down well, on the corner. How often though? You know, they're going to be like, oh, I get it because this author is taking the time to explain to me who Gandalf is and I, why Bilbo is. I can't do a dissertation on the structure of novels and adventure story writing, but it's fairly often that you're dropped into the middle of a story with far less backstory than, than we got here. This is, this is true. I mean, here I, we, I, I would like to, to cite Star Wars, the original Star Wars, where we meet. Now, this is, this is the classic story, kid going on adventure tale. Mm-hmm. We meet, um, we hear about Obi-Wan. We see Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan tells us a little bit about his history. We know within a few minutes, we know everything we need to know about Obi-Wan. That's good storytelling writing. Gandalf here, there's a little confusion, and you don't quite know what the connection is until maybe more than halfway through the movie where Gandalf explains to that, that King Elf guy, it's just like, there's something about Bilbo that... You know, has always brought me to it. Then we make that connection right there, but that's well. You talking about in Rivendell? It was past Rivendell. That's okay. when they were fighting the orc. Or okay. that's when um, they had that fight. Well, it, it, it's, Gandalf, just, it's just the, the the structure is just uh, basically what they needed to do at the beginning of this movie is they needed to show Bilbo walking through the Shire, 
talking to his neighbors, talking about how much he loved being here and that it was great and that he will never leave this valley because it is perfect. That's just that's really interesting to hear you say that um, because I, I never got the impression that this was a failing of the uh, of the book itself uh, and well, the movie adaptation. Because, movie. Well, okay, but the, the fact remains that that the book and the movie at least start out with the exact same tone and the same amount of backstory. So the beginning of the movie is very true to the book. Now, if you want them to change that, and Peter Jackson has proven more than once that he's willing to change substantial things in the story to make it more cinematic. Well, Frank can't speak to the book because he's yeah, never read it. I've never read it, so, so that does speaking, me no good. He's okay. speaking about the movie, you know, and I would agree. All right, well, that fine. Then I, I the, guess I'll, I'll stop trying to relate it back to the book then. By the time Bilbo changes his mind and leaves, yeah. I yeah. was like, why? That was well, my reaction okay. completely. Part of this yeah. is... But that's okay. the only problem I had with the movie. Part of this is that Gandalf is a wizard. He is a mysterious figure. We've seen him for three movies now. Um, almost 12 hours of Gandalf screen time. I realize he wasn't in every single second of every single movie. But we've seen Gandalf for three and uh, 3.4 books worth of movies now. And he's still mysterious. And, we, uh, and not to break your hearts, but we will never know everything there is to know about Gandalf. He is always going to be mysterious. There will always be mystery enshrouding him well, exactly who he is and exactly what his motivations are. But, uh, well, this is more about Bilbo okay. and why Bilbo just suddenly decided to go, which he really okay. does they do, suddenly decide to you, go in the movie. This is one of those, things, this is one of those things where in the movie... If you see the movie a second time or maybe a third time and you pick up on this, it will be explained to you. The filmmakers sometimes get too myopic. They know the source material so well that what to them seems to be this is the explanation the audience needs is such a small detail that the audience may not always pick up on it. Um, it is explained in the movie that uh, it's in the conversation between Gandalf and Bilbo um, where Gandalf basically tells Bilbo, look, you're half took. Because Bilbo, Bilbo's dad was a Baggins, and Bilbo's mom was a took. Like, uh, as in the old took who used to, who used to be the leader of the, the people of the Shire. And uh, the last time anybody had seen Gandalf was when the old took was alive. And you remember from Lord of the Rings... Uh, Peregrine Took. Right. Fool of a Took. Fool of a Took. Yes. Um, took so, is a last name like Baggins. So, exactly. So the Tooks are well represented in this in all the in, in this world. I here. remember they showed but that the Tooks with the with his family's but picture. You also remember that he explained to Bilbo that, you know, the the I'm forgetting his first name, but but you know the Took guy, uh, there was one like his great 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 grandfather was so tall he could ride a regular sized horse yes and tooks loved to go on adventures and he said that's what made the tooks very different from the bagginses and anybody else in the shire because the tooks may have he said the rumor was that that a took way back in the line married a fairy so he thought that may explain why the tooks had always been a little bit different and uh bilbo is half took which explains why he is more willing to go on an adventure 
even though it's it's deep down in his nature, it's not something he admits to himself until the moment has passed. How many times has that happened to you, you know, in real life where it's like, hey man, you want to go do this 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 new thing? It's like, no, no, dude, I'm just gonna forget it. You know, no thanks anyway. And your friends go, All right, man, well, we'll see you later. And then the second you hang up on the phone with them, it's like, oh, dang it, I should have done that. They, there was that never, chance in this movie. There was never that longing that I saw. For, for Bilbo, he was always happy with where he was. That whole took thing and stuff, I remember hearing about that, yeah. He, but he wanted those dwarves out of his house. He seemed perfectly happy where he was. To him, suddenly, the house is empty. Go running after them really just kind of, for me... Yeah, just I, came out of it, nowhere. That was his his ancestral heritage calling to him from a you know, place he didn't recognize. You know how they could have fixed that? He looked at the picture of his grandfather, and he looked at he saw the empty house. He makes tea. He looks at that picture, and then he thinks about it. He looks down, and then he goes running off at the shark. Wow, that, yeah, that takes care of it. That would have been enough. That's all he had to do. Yeah, I, I don't mind that they didn't do something, and no that, words have to be spoken. Yeah, just that. Let's I'd, move. Let's move past this one little yeah. Yeah. bump in the road. After that, I was not displeased at all with anything in the movie. I enjoyed it. Did it drag a little bit? Yeah, there was a lot of talking. But guess what? <laughs> talking. <laughs> but guess <laughs> what? Apparently, people like listening to us talk. Yeah. Why wouldn't you know somebody like listening to a bunch of dwarves and hobbits? And wizards talk about something. I did. I didn't mind the, the the talky parts. But, you know, when the action started and they fell down to the goblin uh, neighborhood <laughs> underneath, yeah. right? Yeah. It was nonstop action from that point on. Yeah. It was just, it was, I enjoyed that movie more than, I would say, more than the last two Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. If I was to rank the four, it would be my second favorite of all four. Okay. Okay. I just loved the heck out of it. It might be. I liked it. I liked it much better than Return of the King, and I I might like it better than the expanded version of the Two Towers. That's exactly where I'm sitting. Um, but I, I still think, and maybe maybe this would change if I went back and rewatched it, but I still think that... Uh, I still think that the extended version of the Fellowship of the Ring is one of the greatest movies made uh, in our lifetimes. It's very good, and and I would, if I, I had to choose one, you know, I would, if I had to choose Lord of uh, Fellowship of the Ring or an unexpected journey, I would mm. pick Fellowship of the Ring. But I, I would hate to have to make that choice. It was, I just enjoyed it. I mean, it was funny, it was exciting, it was. I didn't find it boring, even in the slow, talky parts. You know, we tease you a lot, Bill, but I like listening to you just talk about nothing. And it doesn't bother me to listen to a bunch of uh, Middle-Earth creatures talking about, well, should we do this, should we do that? What happens if we don't? You know, that kind of stuff. It was, it's just, it had me, all of it had meaning for me, and I was just really, really happy with the whole thing. Yeah, and, and it's true. At the beginning of the movie, you did have to suspend a little bit of disbelief as you often do in movies. But by the time they mounted their horses and ponies and uh, began the journey, everything was, uh, all their motivations were, were well 
defined or, or they were properly focused at that point. I mean, uh, things happen for a reason uh, from that point on. Um, I really, I, I truly enjoyed the, um, uh, the scene at Rivendell. I thought that was just awesome. Um, getting to see the Lady Galadriel <laughs> and getting to see Saruman. We and, walk. We walked out of the theater like like um yeah. like Kate, Kate Blanchett. The real slow. Nice. Like it took us five minutes yeah. to walk out of the theater <laughs> because she walked so dang slow. It was funny, but it was neat seeing uh, Elrond again. Yeah, it was just it was just really cool. And I uh um, well, I just I kept watching that movie, and what, what was kind of taking me out of that movie was I kept comparing this movie to all those reviews. How well the dwarves are so poorly scripted that we can't tell one from another and we oh don't have any motivation God. for them and all this. And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, well, there are like 14 of them. Not every one of them is going to get their own mini series here, but I just, I never once had an issue with any of the things that, that all these reviewers apparently had huge issues with. And it makes me wonder if all these reviewers were they exaggerating or were they just being just being combative for for no good reason or are they just that poor reviewer that they couldn't take the movie for what it was i mean was this were all these reviewers just frustrated fanboys that well i didn't get to make well, the movie so i'm well, going to tell you that it's it's junk well yes. maybe hold on I maybe mean, i wonder about that maybe uh, it is also that this movie is geared so much toward fanboys that general population maybe doesn't care for this much minutia. I mean, there's also that side of the argument too, because we we're so engrossed in stuff like that. We like details. We like, yeah. you know, who's this character? Who's that character? And stuff like that. Casual viewing. I could see a casual viewer going, "Yeah, it was okay. There are too many characters, but maybe so." I I don't get it. Um, I I don't understand how you could see that movie in the high frame rate and not just walk out. With just seeing seeing little birdies circling your I head. wanna I wanna make an appeal to Ken Morgan of the Legion of Dudes. Ken, Ooh. drop your preconceived notions. That's what I did. Drop your expectations and just experience something new. Give it a chance. That's all I ask. I uh, think you'll be surprised. Ken because I was. There was a guy at work today who was complaining about how he had no no plans to see the high frame rate because it's just that's not how movies are made. And so I started going, "Sound is going to destroy movie making. <laughs> Color film is going to destroy movie making." Thank you. I mean, come on, dude. It's just an evolution. Ken, where's initials B N? Ken, give oh. it give it a chance. I was very glad that I did. And I was in your boat before the movie. Okay. If it was Butch, you're a crotchety old fart, Butch. You can quote me on that. And if it wasn't, you're still a crotchety old fart, Butch. Um, for someone who's no older than I am. Um, How many reverse flashes do you guys give it? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm going to give it four. I mean, the movie... One thing I, I cannot get over is the fact that I walked out of that movie thinking... And I don't know what my expectations were. I, I was a little bit worried about all the technical nonsense that went along with the movie. I, I think maybe I'd spent so much time 
um, wondering if the technical nonsense was going to be that distracting that it never once occurred to me to wonder how the movie itself was going to be. And I walked out thinking, I liked that even more than I was hoping I would. And it wasn't perfect, but it was right up there with J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie and The Fellowship of the Ring and the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie and, you know, all these movies that were on the edge of flawless. Um, I, I would consider giving that movie uh, four reverse flashes, but it gets an upgrade simply for the visual spectacle. It was amazing. Like Brad said, um, birds in the sky look like birds in the sky. It looks like you're looking through a window. Um, one of the reviews said that by the time you get into the, uh, the, the goblin, um, the, the goblin, uh, home under the mountain, um, where, uh, during the part that, uh, that Bilbo is, is interacting with, uh, Gollum. Right. Um, he said from that part on, he said that environment, that 3d environment was amazing and worth the price of admission alone. And you know what? Um, I agree with him. I don't remember thinking that was even more striking than the 3d in the rest of the movie, which was incredibly striking. Yeah. I give that movie, this is the first time I think I've ever said this, but I give that movie an extra half of a reverse flash for being such an amazing visual spectacle. It was that it was that different from a regular movie. Ken, give it a chance. If you don't see this in the high frame rate, well, you'll never know what you're missing, so you won't be that bummed out. But if you do see it in the high frame rate, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll realize that you almost missed this experience. And, you know, it's just a couple more dollars. Um, give it a chance. You know, besides, you can always go see it in 24P later. You can go see it in 24P at the Dollar Theater in two months, whenever it's there. Ken. Four and a half reverse flashes for me. And I, I don't ever want to give a movie a perfect five out of five, but this is about as close as it gets. Ken, if you go see the movie, and if you're angry and disappointed and you hate it, let me know, and I'll PayPal you the cost of your ticket. I'll go in halvesies on that, okay? I want you to see it in 48. I'll go in thirdsies. Okay, okay. all right. So we'll see it. We will each, of us each put will... in $5.25 toward the cost of your ticket, Ken. Give it a chance. And this is if you don't like If you want a refund, we'll be the box office. But if you like it, then you can say thank you. Frank, how many reverse flashes? I give it three and a half. Okay. Uh, that's mostly... That's mostly story structure and pacing. That's it. The visuals were fantastic. Loved it. Um, story dragged a little bit. I think some of the filmmaking, you know, they had this new technology, and they spent a lot of time on vista shots and big, yeah. pretty shots. Well, you yeah. know, nothing wrong with that, but for me, it slowed the pace. down. There were down. plenty of those type of shots in the first three Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, to me, you know, I think if you had cut 30 minutes out of this movie... I'm just throwing that number out there. 30, 20 minutes, I think it would have been a tighter movie, and I think I, it would probably be a four and a half, too. Okay. You probably could have. Um, the, the, one, the, one thing, uh, the one thing that I would uh, say was a mild attraction, uh, and this, again, this is something I talked to uh, Brad outside the theater uh, late that Saturday night, was I did not – I just think that they could have done this better, was, okay – why did 
the trolls and the goblins and the pale orc all almost look exactly the same. And I, I get the fact that that at least in the uh, the trolls and the goblins' uh, defense, there were creatures that lived underground and, and did not could not see sunlight, and so they therefore did not need pigmentation in their skin, which meant they were all basically the same kind of albino-y white color. With that said, they could have made design changes that made it obvious. There, um, I had a hard time distinguishing. Um, the goblins from the trolls, from the orcs, from the, you know, at least looking back at it now, yeah, I get it. But at the time, I thought to myself, what, okay, is this a, a troll? This is a, these are goblins, right? Okay, the, uh, right, right, goblins, goblins. Um, and I just, I wish that they had made the creatures look different from each other enough that it was immediately apparent that I'm looking at a troll versus a goblin versus an orc. And the orcs generally are darker, and they had little floppy bat ears. And you know, well, the I, ears, the ears were the the giveaway for me. Yeah, and the faces were structured. It was a subtle. little differently. But and I realized that the trolls. You only saw the trolls in that one scene, and they were like a lot bigger and all that. Um, but it just seemed like all, it's kind of the failing of of movies these days. It's been this way for quite a while. That why does every monster have to kind of look like the the baby alien hybrid from Alien Resurrection, and it kind of looks like, you know, I mean, it just all it's these monsters look the a, same. It's easy these to days. identify with a humanoid alien. Yeah, um, and or maybe monster. that's it. I mean, humanoid monster. Uh, maybe everything just looks slightly the same because they're trying to follow. You know, if this creature really did exist, what would the physical rules be that governed its appearance? And you know, I would be really blah, put blah, off blah. if I looked across the table from me and saw an amorphous blob with eight tentacles sitting there instead of right. you with two arms and two legs. But a, a Durlin. Yes. You're much, much more relatable in, in the right. form you're in. Right. Well, I mean, go back and look at the, uh, the Rankin Bass Hobbit. There was no question that the trolls and the goblins and the orcs all looked very, very different. And they could do that. It wouldn't be that big a deal. You know you what know? my dad always says? No. Write a letter. <laughs> if you're unhappy about something, write a letter. Not unhappy about it. It's just it's 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 the nitpick I have in the movie. You guys had a nitpick. I got that that's mine. So we got an update from Colin. Callum Reeve did in fact send us an update. Let's listen to that really quickly and then we're going to go to uh oh. we're going to review the Legion of Dudes. Nominations for their annual duty awards. Excellent. And we'll run, we'll run through that quickly because we're yeah, almost we about duty. an hour here. But here we go. Here's uh, I said duty. Yes, I did. Here's um, what's his name? Callum. <laughs> Callum. Hey, guys. Callum here. Just wanted to apologize first and foremost for missing episode uh, 300. Um, I've just seen it in the feed, and it's three hours worth. So there you go. I was actually laying in bed really sick along with the rest of my family. Anyways, that's not why I called to whinge and complain about my own problems. I realized that at the end of episode 298, you guys had some very important questions for me uh, from the future. I'm, um, I'm actually broadcasting this from the future right now for you guys. Right. I had to email it back. It took a bit of doing, but uh, I was able to, to pull some strings and get this back to you. Bill, you asked about what stocks to invest in. My advice is flying in cars and hoverboards. We have both of these in the future, and they're both 
very, very good things. Hoverboards notes, and flying cars. Right. And look, the cubbies. If I could go back and put some money on the cubbies, I would most definitely do that as well. <laughs> Who would have picked them to win the World Series? Frank, you asked what you'd be having for dinner tonight. Uh, look, by my maths, it's going to be the 17th, I think, over there, which is uh, Monday, I believe. Uh, tonight, I believe you have frog legs, caviar, and fine French champagne in the presence of a beautiful woman. Uh, wow. Look, it's either that or pizza and beer with Brad and Bill. I'm really not too sure. Sorry, buddy. I think it's the second. <laughs> All right. Uh, he, he Is that did, it? No, well, he did tell us that um, something happened during the recording, and so he, he sent us the uh, second part, which is uh, coming right now. By the way, Callum, I'm not kidding. I want you on the show permanently because I could listen to that accent all stinking day. So, I don't know what it is about a good Aussie accent. The same thing. It's a good British accent, too. Yeah. It must be in my bones. It must be in my blood. Because I'm, I'm fascinated. Fascinated by the uh, British accent. It's Australian, dude. Well, yes. <laughs> I know. Same I thing. I, I, Just before I go, guys, I'd like to share one more quick story about um my favorite memory of uh, Half Hour Waste over the last 300 episodes, or 301 as the case may be now. Uh, look, it was actually episode 150. Uh, I'll try and be brief in telling the story. I, I know, you know, there's already someone there that can take a long time telling long, drawn-out, bored, boring <laughs> stories. I realize that roles feel I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I, I appreciate that. I the story. I don't want to waste your time with a long-winded introduction. I don't want to waste time apologizing for things. I just, I just want to get to the story because... I, I need the clip. I have from, such a man crush on this guy right now. I need the right clip now. from the Holy Grail when the the whole cast of thousands goes, "Get on with it!" Yeah, here we go. Know that you guys don't like time being wasted, so here it goes. I actually heard episode one fifty one night when I was in hospital with my young son. Uh, it was nothing serious, but I had been there all night, and it was about a three hour episode. And I thought, I've got three hours to kill in the hospital. I'll give this a shot. Uh, got nowhere else to be, nothing else to do. And at the end of episode 150, Brad actually read, I believe, what was my first email to the show. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and had some really nice things to say, and I uh, just really appreciated the feedback. And, yeah, and look, i got to tell you, it was about 3 a.m. in the morning in a dingy hospital next to my son, who was crook, uh, sick. And, yeah, I heard Brad say those nice things. And, look, it was just a really, really great pick-me-up at that time of night. Um, anyways, look, just episode 150. Loved it. I hope episode 300 went well. Uh, yeah, and look, I love you guys heaps, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye. I'm Callum, so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I could fulfill that need for you in that in your time of, of sorrow at the hospital. And uh, that's, I believe that's why well, God put me on this said, earth. Was he said to, it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. It was just, just being I'm, at the hospital will drain on your soul. I'm trying to, to bring up 150 so we can see what we talked about. Um, all right. Our brothers in podcasting, the Legion of Dudes, are having their annual awards show. Uh, This episode will be published New Year's Eve. Uh, The voting for the duties ends on New Year's Eve. Um, So, you know, as because of scheduling, you know, we're not going to be having any influence on the outcome of the vote. Is this uh, open to the public, or is this yes. uh, only for those of us insiders? No. Okay. Anybody can go to um, Half Hour Wasted, uh, hhwlod.com, and vote. So, yes. uh, the five guys on the dudes each nominated um, a particular entry for all of these categories, and we're going to run through them, and uh, we're going to... 
we realize these are are just you know there may be some like for instance the first category is favorite film actor you may automatically boom think of one that's not in the list but these are the dudes suggestions and nominations so we're going to go over these we're going to run through these and and cast our own votes uh favorite film actor robert downey jr for the avengers tom hardy for dark knight rises and lawless fran kranz for cabin in the woods clark gregg for avengers joseph gordon levitt for dark knight rises and looper uh i'm gonna go ahead and vote for joseph gordon levitt uh for his performance in Looper. Now, I enjoyed all of these uh, actors in all of their respective roles, especially Clark Gregg. He's always a favorite. And Fran Kranz, he was the stoner guy in Cabin in the Woods. Right. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance as a young Bruce Willis character in Looper floored me. So that gets my vote. That's my vote. Nice. Well, I haven't seen uh, Looper or Lawless, which makes me sad. Especially Looper. I definitely want to see that. Um, so I didn't have that to go off of. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is really good. I liked him in Inception. And he was good in Dark Knight Rises, but not good enough for him to be my favorite film actor of 2012. Um, I gave a thought to Fran Kranz because Cabin in the Woods was just so stinking great. And Clark Gregg is awesome. Uh, Tom Hardy uh, uh, probably finishes fifth in my poll through no fault of his own. Um, but... Uh, when I looked at these five names, I went, Robert Downey Jr., we have a Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anybody that wants shawarma. So I hate to, I hate to go with the, uh, you know. The, it, it's, like, it's like, who's your favorite superhero? Uh, Superman. Right. You know, oh, great. Big surprise there. So I realize what I'm doing, but uh, that was my vote. Uh, I'm going to go Fran Kranz for Cabin in the Woods. Such a good movie. It was a fun performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, his performance in that movie um, probably is the one I made it because I kind of had 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 you know issues with some of the other movies on the list. Which, by the way, Clark Gregg as um, what what Coulson Agent Coulson. Yeah. Um, I do not understand why people love him so much. He is so boring to me. Now yeah, I know he I ties these yeah. universes together, and that's cool. I think it's his, but his sense of humor and and. Um just yeah. his attitude, he's, he just, it floors me. He's a foil, and his sense of humor is so dry, if you're not thinking about it, it goes right over your head. <sighs> All right. And, and, um, and see, Frank is not British. Did you so guys actually get vote on the website? I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay, next. Favorite film actress, Gina hmm. Carano for Haywire, Emma Stone for Amazing Spider-Man, Jennifer Lawrence for Hunger Games, Scarlett Johansson for Avengers. And Hathaway for Dark Knight Rises. Let's do round robin. Now, have Bill go. Is there okay. a best, or is this just? I wonder. This is favorite. Is just film favorite. Is just however you want to define it. It right. doesn't mean best or anything. Favorite film actress. Wow, I did not see Haywire. I've seen the other four movies, and um, I'm in that same boat. I'm kind of. I'm kind of having to juggle. I'm having to juggle uh, four pretty decent performances. Um, I mean, I'd like to give it to Scarlett Johansson just for those those wicked, crazy karate moves she does. Um, I think Emma Stone did the best acting performance of these four by a mile because she actually acted. Uh, it wasn't just one note. Um, I want to give it to Jennifer Lawrence uh, because she was pretty bad to the bone in The Hunger Games. Um, but I'm going to give it to Emma Stone. 
Frank. Jennifer Lawrence, close second. I know she was flat in the movie and didn't have a lot of range, but I thought she played that character very realistic. Yeah. She it, felt like a teenage girl. Jennifer going Lawrence? Yeah. yeah. But I'm giving it to Anne Hathaway, Dark Knight Rises, because she was just kind of a, a bad butt uh, portrayal of Catwoman. Cool. I am going to give it to Jennifer Lawrence. I am not a fan of the Hunger Games movie at all. It bothered me to my to the pit of my soul. Really, it really did. Interesting. Um, seeing children in that in that situation really unnerved me. I hate okay. to think of my children in that situation. Yeah, but I completely bought her performance. And yeah, if I watched it again, I've really come to appreciate her as an actress. Um, I had forgotten that she was in X Men First Class. Yep, she was in um, another movie, a scary movie that I had seen recently. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it was really, uh, it was really an interesting performance. I w- I'm not a fan of Johansson. I'm going to say it. Um, I don't think she's that great of an actress. Um, Emma Stone's adorable. She's great in Zombieland. But out of all of this. And of course, Anne Hathaway was was a remarkable Catwoman, but Jennifer Lawrence, her character really spoke to me in that movie. Interesting, even though I didn't like the movie at all. And I, I never understood the the cultural phenomenon behind that book. The book is the books are not that well written. My Me daughter loves them. Well, I guess you enjoy the fact that there's a female protagonist. You enjoy the story, the plot itself, uh, because the books are not written by an expert wordsmith. They may be an interesting they're adventure. Written, they're written for kids. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, well, young they're, adult, they're written for they're, tweens. They're, I mean, adults are reading them, too. Young adult uh, g- girls are the audience for that movie. I mean, it's kind of... Ten-year-old uh, well, Zoe... Uh, well, nine, nine, seven-eighths, almost ten-year-old Zoe and uh, the professor uh, both read that book at the same time. And then Zoe burned through uh, the second two books... And she's dying for the uh, the next movies to come out. And uh, I, I had no desire to see the movie when it first came out. I didn't see it. Um, gosh, I think we went to the Dollar Theater. <laughs> Seriously, like the week the week before the movie came out on Blu-ray. And I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, kind of like The Hobbit. Okay. Next cat. Oh, I don't think Deal I actually. I don't think I actually <laughs> cast my vote. Boom. There we Do go. Do it. Next movie. Uh, next category. Best movie. Uh, Skyfall, Looper, Cabin in the Woods, Avengers, Dark Knight Rises. Um, I'm going to go Cabin in the Woods because it turned the genre on its head. Skyfall was incredibly boring. Looper was an amazing movie, but I expected what I got. Same with Dark Knight Rises, same with Avengers. I expected what I got out of those. I didn't expect anything I got from Cabin in the Woods, and to me that was a pleasure and a wonderful viewing experience. Not that the others weren't, but when I was done, I went, that was amazing. So Cabin in the Woods gets my vote. Ditto, Brad. Okay. Everything you said. Um, I think the, the two movies this year that I stood up and cheered at the end of were The Avengers and The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, the Avengers perfected, at least to this point, the art of the superhero movie. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, it's fun. It works. It's great. Um, but as Brad said, cabin of the woods was so great, but more than that, it was so unexpected that it would be that great and fun and scary, but mainly fun. It was like, uh, 
it was like if Sam Raimi uh, had a more overt sense of humor and was making movies now instead of uh, 30 years ago, that might have been what you got. Loved Cabin in the Woods, and that gets my vote. I'm going to suggest that we skip the next category because none of us are hardcore gamers like the dudes. Yeah. No, I and couldn't. My, my only vote on that would be Black Ops 2. I've not played any of these that they've nominated for Best Video Game. I think it would be a disservice to try to cast a vote. Uh, I literally have not even I have not seen any of those um, uh, video games, much less played them. Best Blu-ray or DVD? Cabin in the Woods, Jaws, oh Special Edition, Prometheus, Indiana Jones, The Complete Adventures, Blu-ray, Bond 50. Mm. Um, I've seen two of these actual discs. Um, I know which one I'd pick, but it's not my turn. It's your turn. Uh, I haven't seen the DVD of Prometheus, and I I don't mean to go off track, but I've got to assume that they're talking about not just the movie itself, because that was covered in the previous... Right, I think it, it has to do with... About the transfer, the content, and the, content the, DVD, the, features, the extras, transfer, and all and that. that, the whole package. Um, just like me. Yes. Uh, I, I haven't seen Cabin in the Woods on DVD or Jaws or Prometheus or Bond on DVD. I have seen the Indiana Jones Complete Adventures on Blu-ray because uh, I scored it from Amazon about two weeks ago. 40 bucks. So uh, rock that. Um, I have no idea what the uh, what the extras look like. I got to go with Indiana Jones, and that's uh, sorry. That's kind of uh, it's kind of by default. Um, I don't have any of these DVDs. I haven't seen any of them, so I have to pass. I'm giving it to Prometheus, if only because of the three-hour documentary that came with it. It Ooh. was very enlightening, very entertaining. I, I think I'd it. like to see that. Yeah, very good. Favorite TV actress: Lana Perilla, Once Upon a Time; Maggie Siff, Sons of Anarchy; Amy Poehler, Parks and Recreation. Katie Seagal, Sons of Anarchy, Maisie Williams, Game of Thrones. I have seen one of these shows enough to cast a vote, and that would be for Amy Poehler, Parks and Rec. She makes me laugh. I've not seen any of the other shows enough. I I should recuse myself from this because I know who Amy Poehler is. I think Parks and Rec is, it's okay. Uh, I've seen uh, Lana Perilla or Perilla. In uh, Once Upon a Time, uh, a few times, she's really good in it. I've never watched Sons of Anarchy, and I don't have HBO, so I haven't seen Game of Thrones yet. I don't think I'm ever going to watch Sons of Anarchy because I could kind of care less. I would like to watch Game of Thrones, but I don't know when I will. So I'm, uh, I don't know. I shouldn't vote at all. If I was going to vote, I would vote for uh, Lana Perilla, but I would probably try to find a write-in candidate if it was me. Okay, Frank? Uh Games of Ro- Throne, Marisa, is that how you say it? Maisie. Maisie. Um, she, uh, she's a wonderful tomboy in that show. She's a girl trying to go around as a boy to save herself. Great performance. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, Bill, give it a shot. It's fun. I'm halfway through season two. Um, both of uh. those performances are very good. Katie Seagal is probably the stronger of those two, in my opinion. But I'm okay. going to go with Lana, Once Upon a Time, because I like that show, and I just want to give it some love. Okay. Favorite TV actor, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones, Robert Carlyle, Once Upon a Time, Louis C.K., Louis, Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock. Bill? This one is easy. 
Um, Carlisle is good. Louis C.K. is Louis C.K. He's very funny. Uh, Brian Cranston is. Uh, it's hard to watch that show for me. It's it's well done. I uh, haven't seen Game of Thrones, but I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I love his Sherlock. I I drink him up um, metaphorically when uh, he's on screen. That's it. Um, I struggled a little bit with this category because Brian Cranston and Benedict are two strong, strong characters. Um, Breaking Bad is my favorite TV show on air right now, but I'm going to go with Benedict because he's just so interesting. I'm going with Louis C.K. Uh, because he's funny and I think he's very, uh, very good at that um, in that show. And I, I haven't seen all the other ones, but you know this is favorite, and he he's by far would be my favorite of what I've seen. Um, best TV series, comedy, or animation: The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes, Parks and Rec, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, Young Justice. I'm going to recuse myself from this vote because I've only really? seen Parks and Recreation, and I haven't seen the others enough to make a determination. Well, they number one, uh, love you dudes, but you did us a disservice by not splitting this into best comedy series and then best animation series. Um, it's just, it's not right that, uh, you know, cause frankly, I don't think comedy, the, the comedy and animation don't go together at all. They, uh, in the last show, I can't remember, but they mentioned why they did this. Okay. Um, if they have a reason, then, uh, good on you, mate. Um, but, uh, I mean, for me, I mean, parks and recreation, I don't even think it's the best comedy. Um, I think Modern Family is incredibly well done, though I do not look forward to watching that show. I watched occasionally. Um, man, you want to know what's you want what's funny? The New Girl. I think that may be the funniest freaking sitcom on TV right now. This side of it's always sunny. Um, for me, my pick here is uh, is Young Justice. I just I eat that up, man. It's awesome. It's Teen Titans. Uh, it's Justice League. Um, the characterizations are really cool. Um, the first season is very soap opery. This season, the action is ramped up and I hope it continues. I have no idea if it will or not. And I'm just, I, I hate it that we're in the middle of another one of those, you know, four month hiatuses between new episodes kills me. Um, so I, I'm, I'm giving it to young justice. Bill, I'm with you, young justice for, uh, a lot of the same reasons, though I do wish Adventure Time was on here. I think that's okay. They missed that. Well, if you're for animation, of, yeah. if you're one of the dudes, it would have been on there. Yeah, Adventure Time. Best TV series, drama, or action: Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Fringe, Son of Anarchy, Sherlock. Bill, um, I would love to give it to Sherlock, but there are only six episodes. Period. That this is stretched across two seasons. Wow, there is not enough Sherlock to capture this in my humble opinion breaking bad is very good but too hard to watch again i'm sorry i've never seen sons of anarchy and don't plan on it and game of thrones would love to but haven't um but fringe is has been a great show for four years and i think it's it's so different now than it was last year two three four it, it's different every year um 
it's like they find a way to slightly reinvent themselves. And they have reinvented themselves this year. And if you're not enjoying the ride you're on right now, then um, you don't enjoy uh, science, uh, science-y, fiction-y television. Um, so, again, it may be the obvious answer for me, but I'm going with French. Deal with it. Breaking Bad, because it is really rad. Ooh, good. Um, I like that. Crazy plot lines. At times, so tense-filled that it just it's good television it is so good it's coming to an end breaking bad there is crazy tension in it for yeah. sure i'm giving my vote to fringe for many of the same reasons uh bill said i just it's just there's no holes in fringe and yeah. uh i just like frank said breaking bad is a great show but it's so hard to watch and sherlock is also great individual achievement in comics Huh? Villain or villain team of the year. Oh, okay. Thanos from the Avengers. Phoenix Five from Avengers versus X-Men. Mm-hmm. Loki from the Avengers. Luke Caravaggio from Lock and Key, which is a great book. And the Court of Owls from Batman. I will have to recuse myself from this vote because I have not been reading any of these books regularly. Um, By Thanos, I don't know if they mean uh, in the... Movie comics. or in the comics? This is individual achievement in comics. Okay, I haven't read stuff that's had Thanos in it this year, so clearly I'm I didn't read um whatever Avengers title it was in. So my apologies. Uh, the Phoenix Five. I read a little bit of AVX. I thought the entire exercise was uh, silly, and it was never supposed to be big meaty action. It was just supposed to be a summer blockbuster popcorn flick kind of thing and it was um i read the first five six some odd issues of batman i thought the court of owls are a very interesting addition to the bat mythos and it's always interesting to me that you can come up with a relevant new villain in this day and age that doesn't seem cheesy or a rip off somebody else with all that said i just think tom hiddleston uh in the avengers was so cool and um, I'm assuming that I can I can take Loki from the Avengers movie because that's what I'm doing. Okay. Page two, individual achievement in comics. Hero? I liked Batman. Quarter Owls. I'm so oh, sorry. Quarter 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 I'm Owls. sorry. <laughs> individual achievement in comics. Hero or hero team of the year. Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Batman, Swamp Thing. Uh, I'll jump in. Yeah, none of these knock my socks off, but Batman, um, the the Batman comic was a lot of fun uh, this year. So I'm going with Batman just because of the list. That's the one that I liked the most out of it. But okay. I didn't love him. Um, I haven't been reading regularly, so I can't vote. Bill, I don't know about Swamp Thing, but um, my vote is for Fantastic Four. I weep that uh, Hickman is not still writing it. It was. Hickman's been doing it for three years. Um, add on another year, I guess, uh, for uh, what Mark Miller did before that. And I, I just, it's the end of an era. It's the greatest run of Fantastic Four I think they've ever had. Individual achievement in comics, best comic artist Lee Bermejo, Greg Capullo, Lionel Yu, Gabriel Rodriguez, Salvador La Roca. Who does. What does Gabriel Rodriguez do? I don't recognize that. Um, lock and key. Lock and key. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
haven't read it. I'll need to one of these days. Maybe you guys can hook me up. Um, gosh, jeez. I'm not a fan of Lionel Yu. I Greg Capullo's Batman is by far much more interesting visually than any previous Greg Capullo artwork I've ever seen. Uh, for no other reason, I would give it to him for that because I think he's gone from a crappy artist to a, a very good artist. Okay. And what about uh, Lee Bermeo? Don't recall off the top of my head. Cause yeah, that name rings a bell, but I'm trying to figure out where it was. Um, I don't know. Just because I'm a fan of... Uh, I, I go with Salvador LaRocca. I can explain it if you want me to. And you may be wondering, why is Brad voting on artists? But had, what about the team? Well, I can I can glance <laughs> at books and not read them. So you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to recuse myself from this, but Gabriel Rodriguez, um, I, uh, the Lock and Key series is great. Yeah. I don't care too much for the artwork, though, in it. Really? It doesn't take me out of it. Okay. Nothing bad about it, but it's just or something wet about it. That's yeah. the only way I can describe it. It just yeah. feels wet all the time. No, I got it. It's a wonderful story. Yeah, the story's great. Uh, <laughs> best comic writer, Matt Fraction, Jeff Lemire, Jonathan Hickman, Rick Remender, Joe Hill, Dan Slott. I don't know what Joe Hill does. He uh, lock, lock and key. key. Okay. Dan Slott has been writing Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. And, of course, Matt Fraction, Jonathan Hickman, they're um, big-time uh, Marvel Yeah. What's Remender right doing right now? Remender is doing Uncanny Avengers. He just started Uncanny Avengers. I'm sure he's got more than one book on his plate. Out of all of those, I don't care for Jeff Lemire um, one bit. Uh, I would have to give mine to either Hickman or Fraction. So while you talk about it, Bill, I'm going to try to make my decision. Oh, um, sorry about me out. Again, the, okay, this may be the easiest category for me because um, Jonathan Hickman has turned into someone who uh, I'm going to read a book of his whether I care for it or not. Okay. Hickman, Giffen, Abnett and Lanning, um, these are just some of my favorite things. Thank you, Tony Bennett. <laughs> um, that was my nod to the holidays this episode. Between me, it would be, for me, it would be between Matt Fraction and Joe Hill. And I'm going to go Matt Fraction because he tends to be a run, right? little more creative with his writing. He I tends to have, he tends to stretch his writing muscle a little more. Uh, Joe Hill, great storytelling, but it's like Fraction will surprise you. I thought Fraction, what he did on Iron Man was great. It wasn't necessarily groundbreaking but it was so good and um i read the first three issues i think of the defenders run which has just recently ended and that makes me sad because i've always loved those characters and um i've heard from more than one person that that story became unfocused and sloppy and i don't know what that means i've never read it but i want to um and now uh i'm kind of holding a slight grudge against Matt Fraction because he took over the Fantastic Four from the great Hickman. And I'm just, I'm holding my breath and so far we're okay. We're only, we're only two issues into it. I haven't read Fantastic Four two yet. 
I'm just I'm hoping that it's not going to be a big letdown. Um, I don't think it will be, but fractions. I'm sorry, fraction. You have to prove it to me again. While so. while Bill was talking, before you voted for fraction, uh, yeah, I also voted for fraction. Really? Okay. Okay. Um, because I find his his stories much more interesting and less bland than Jonathan Hickman's stuff. Um, Hickman sometimes falls flat for me. Mm-hmm. Matt Fraction may confuse me occasionally because, like you said, he flexes those muscles. But Jonathan Hickman tends to take the safe way out, I think, sometimes. I think Hickman is the Frank Herbert of uh, comic book writing right now. His ideas are so above and beyond <laughs> that I have to... I mean, go back and read his Fantastic Four run. There are ideas that are so crazy and so out there and so hard so hard sci-fi that you have to go back and read it two or three times just to try and figure out what he's referring to. Because it was written so blandly. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I like his... I, I'm Okay, maybe... Maybe Fraction is a better scriptwriter than Hickman, but Hickman's ideas are what does it for me. Okay, um, fair enough. Just real fast, Matt Fraction is a good version of Grant Morrison. Ooh, I think that's a very accurate statement. Yeah, best. Trade. I don't think I don't think Fraction's <laughs> ideas are high level enough. I mean, uh, I I will I will lend you my copies of Casanova, and then you will see. What okay, cool. Please. Best trade paperback, hardcover, or original graphic novel? WYSIWYG, Walking Dead Volume 17, Grendel Omnibus Hunter Rose, Daredevil Born Again Artist Edition, Criminal. Uh, I'll hop in and just uh, recuse myself from this category. Okay. I haven't read any of these. I have not read... uh, I've read two of them, The Walking Dead Volume 17, and I've read... The original Daredevil Born Again story. Yeah. Um, I have not seen the artist edition. It's the it's the one with scans of the original art. Yeah. So I haven't seen that. I real I understand that the whole package, you know, the content that that has something to do with it, but um I'm gonna go for Walking Dead just because I love it so much. Um so, WYSIWYG? WYSIWYG is that? something that uh Jim Dietz talks about a lot, and I can't remember the name of the artist. It's a friend of Jim Dietz. Um, gosh, forgive me, Jim. I can't remember his name. But Jim Dietz has talked a lot about it and uh, really enjoys it. Uh, best miniseries arc or event in comics, Star Wars Agent of the Empire, Fantastic Four Forever, Court of Owls and Night of Owls from the Batman books, Before Watchmen and Avengers vs. X-Men. I will recuse from this one. Same here. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly what he means by Fantastic Four Forever. Um, if he's referring to the the last arc of Hickman's uh, run, um, I, he gets it for me. Um, I am uh, I'm not going to recuse myself from this. I'm uh, I'm giving Hickman and Fantastic Four a uh, clean sweep in my book. Best single issue in comics: Lock and Key Grindhouse, Hawkeye number one. Fantastic Four, number 604. Batman, number 13. Amazing Spider-Man, number 698. I've only read one of these issues, so I will not vote. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, best single issue? I don't know. My favorite single issue, Fantastic Four, 604. 
again. I think best and favorite are interchangeable. Then there we go. Best ongoing comic series, Saga, Hawkeye, Fantastic Four, Batman, Amazing Spider-Man. Recuse. <laughs> Recuse. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. We've fallen. Uh, we are not reading as many comic books no, as we not. did two or three years ago. Definitely not. I don't know. Um, I know what your vote is. Well, I mean, Batman. <laughs> Batman has been really good, but I haven't. I haven't just been grabbed by the throat by Batman like apparently a number of people have. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Snyder and Capullo are doing some interesting stuff, but it's like it's good. Uh, it's really pretty darn good, but it's not. It's not. I'm not. I haven't bought it since issue six or whatever. You know, so it's kind of a moot point. But even when I was, it was nowhere near the top of my stack, if you were. Um, I've read some of The Amazing Spider-Man, and I think it's really uh, interesting, but I haven't read it long enough to know where it's coming from. And um, uh, at this point, I feel like a broken record giving it to uh, the Fantastic Four, Um, uh, especially considering I don't know where it's going now, the fraction on it, but... In honor of you, Frank and Brad, I'm going to trust Fraction, and I'm going to give my vote to Fantastic Four. But this also deals with all year long, which and you've enjoyed the Fantastic Four all year, right? Yeah. When was in it. Yeah. At this point, best ongoing comic series, I wonder if they're kind of talking about uh, what we think is going to happen from here on out or if they or if what we have enjoyed the previous year. I think you can only, be... only consider what you've enjoyed the previous year. Yeah. So yeah. Except for Callum okay. Reevee. Who could talk about the future? Okay, right. I, FF has absolutely been my favorite series of the previous year, so well, there you go. That makes it easy. Okay, um, cool. I voted uh, in most of the uh, categories, so I, um, you know what, you know what they say? What's that? If you didn't vote, you don't get to complain about the results. That's right. So That's now right. I will get to complain bitterly about oh. the results, almost no matter what they are. Uh, just in case. Oh. And I won't do it briefly either. <laughs> no. Just in case the the dudes, the tech uh, guys from the podcast network have not closed the poll and you've heard us talk about it and you want to go put your two cents in, go to hhwlod.com and scroll down on the page and click on the Duty Awards logo and you can participate in the voting. Yeah. I uh, If it's still there, I clicked on the Legion of Dudes uh, logo and then the first thing... Uh, on the Legion of Dudes page itself was a huge duties banner. It was hard to miss. Cool. You can also go to hhwld.com forward slash vote forward slash polls at HTML. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful new year. Right. I hope everybody is safe, has designated drivers and all that stuff. We hope that Brad is going to enjoy his uh, shock tops in his... uh, in his Star Wars glasses in the comfort of his home. I will. I will wash them first. Or better yet, you know what you could do? <laughs> yeah, rent, a, rent a taxi and just drive around all night drinking swilling beer in the back of the taxi. Can I think, you do I, that? I still think that's against the law. You can rent a limo. Can you, you do it in the limo? Can yeah. you drink? Uh, Dude, they have wet bars and limos. Can you, you can drink an O'Doul's in your car while you're driving? I would I say would yes. bet money you can. It's a, nar- it's a non-alcoholic bear. Yeah. True. Well, there's, there's a trace amount of alcohol in it. They can't get it all out, but it's for the most part, yes, it's like point oh oh five or something. I think much like uh mice uh eating 
artificial sweeteners uh-huh. where they have to eat like you know the equivalent of fifteen hundred pounds of the sweetener to actually develop cancer. I think you would have to drink like four hundred bottles to you know get a real buzz going. I might as well start now then. Right, people. It's almost the first. You don't have time to drink 400 bottles of O'Doul's before midnight hits. So give it up and drink real beer. All right. You've been listening to A Half Hour Wasted. And don't drive. Of HHWLOD Podcast Network. Visit the show's website at halfhourwasted.com. And don't forget to visit the message board at forumsforgeeks.com. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Or you can drop us an individual email at Brad, Frank, or Bill at halfhourwasted.com. Follow us on Twitter at Half Hour Wasted. Leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830. Until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. And I'm sorry we did episode 301. And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. We were really supposed to have ended, right, an episode ago. We're, we're not one episode late. You know, it really is sad that we're so behind on books. Yeah. I know. Well, 2013, we'll start to get ahead.